Hello again and welcome to the All Saints podcast. I'm Phil, I'm one of the staff members here at All Saints and during today's episode I'll be hosting a conversation around our togetherness module in our pattern series. This time we'll be exploring themes such as friendship and forgiveness. So I'd encourage you just as we get started to find a nice place to sit, grab a tea or coffee and let's dive in. So um, hi again, welcome to the All Saints Pattern Pod, as we have called it. Um, we can thank Owen Gallagher for that um, incredible name. But we have <laughs> a couple of um, really cool guests um, with us this time. Um, guys, why don't you just introduce yourselves, tell us a bit about you and um, what you're up to. Yeah, sure. Um, my name is Andy and I'm one of a couple of curates at All Saints Worcester. Um, a curate, for those not in the know, is a kind of vicar in training. So that's me. And I'm Sue. Um, just an ordinary parishioner, been part of All Saints for I think nine years now. Aris Mark, retired teacher, uh, enjoying retirement. <laughs> Relaxing and all of that. It's great. And Andy, we had some pretty big news recently about you. Um, do you want to share just a little bit about that? Just very briefly, um, uh, All Saints is a, a resourcing church. Um, and part of its mandate is to um, plant new churches and revitalize existing churches. And so, um, uh, yeah, just recently it's been confirmed that I'll be uh, moving to Evesham uh, probably around September time to uh, embark on a church revitalization project over there. So, yeah, really, really exciting times. Yeah, we're going to miss you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you at All Saints. Um, but it'd be so great to still be um, involved with you guys and working together moving forward. Anyway, moving on to what we're here to chat about. Um, we've had a couple of incredible messages in our um, pattern series all about this module of togetherness. And um, we've been thinking for the last couple of weeks now about friendship and forgiveness. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this um, on this episode. So guys how, how did you find how did you find the sermons i mean andy you preached one but um sue how did you find listening in i thought they're really good um it's good to hear teaching on this kind of subject it's unusual i think really to certainly to i don't recall another sermon that i've heard about friendship certainly um so uh, it, and it's good to put the two things together. I mean, they naturally flow one into the other, as Andy said, I think. Mm. Yeah. And Andy, it must have been weird for you to preach. Well, it, it must be weird preaching in an empty church at the moment. But um, yeah. yeah it's, it's pretty strange. Pretty strange. Um, yeah, I, I thought Rich, Rich did a fab job starting off with friendship. Um, I think it's something, interestingly, we're trying to find resources specifically for this module, actually, to share with people for further reading and um, just finding a, a decent book, uh, a good kind of evangelical take on um, how to do friendship. There's just not really anything out there. So, um, you know, maybe, Sue, you could, if you're interested in writing a book anytime soon, you can uh, <laughs> get involved. Uh, there's a niche in the market. Um, yeah, I think I think. 
I think how to do friendships is um, is something that applies to absolutely everybody, doesn't it? You know, whether you whether you have loads of friendships and you need to like maintain them, or whether maybe you find friendships just inherently quite a difficult or painful thing. Um, I think it's uh, something we could all learn more on, and I think the whole social media thing particularly brings a whole new um, dimension to friendship that we're only just beginning to work out. Um, how to navigate that quite frankly um mm. and then obviously the forgiveness sermon was was top draw but um <laughs> I, I would say that because i preached it <laughs> but it was it was, it was. yeah i i think let, let's start off with this whole thing of friendship then so one of the things that um rich pulled out at the very start of his message was this quote from seneca um, which said that one of the most beautiful qualities of true friendship is to be under is to understand and be understood and um i think for me that was just like that hit right in the gut just to know that you know who who do we call friends well it's those people that um really know us and really understand who we are uh, I, I don't know if you you guys sort of that resonated with you in the same way but yeah knowing who you, knowing we belong is such a huge thing I think in this day and age and just like what Andy was saying with social media it's um it's weird because we seem so connected uh, in one way and there's so many amazing things about it um that we can talk to people on the other side of the world we can keep in touch with all these um amazing people that we've met through our lives but at the same time we feel there's almost this dissonance um there at the same time around being known um and being truly understood yeah, totally. I, I agree with what you said, that um, to be known is such a, a valuable thing, to feel that you're known and understood. Um, it's a great quote from Seneca. Uh, as an older person, considerably older than you two, I don't really do much social media. Also, as previously a teacher, you know, we were encouraged not to get involved with social media. But I've seen my own children um, and all their friends so-called on uh, Facebook or whatever it's called um, and I'm, I'm glad that I'm not part of it mm. okay I can watch that I do watch that when I do get have connections with people that um, are far away but um, it'd be interesting to see if you two have different ideas to me because I don't think it's something I've talked about I don't think I've had conversations about friendship with people mm. before particularly Sue, so, so I'm I'm old in spirit. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not on social media uh, almost at all. My, my wife has to um, has to keep me abreast of all the developments in church and everything. So it's quite, <laughs> quite humiliating, really. But um, yeah, I, I think that whole thing about being known is profound, isn't it? And mm. um, you know, in an age where uh, the natural thing for so many people to do is to kind of tidy up their image. Uh, to make their holidays look better than they are and to make it look like they're more popular than they are and you know airbrush everything we can kind of airbrush our lives to within you know to within an inch of our lives you know and um mm. uh to to really have friends that know you on your absolute worst day and still love you is 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 priceless it, it really is um mm. and there's a i think there's a deep loneliness that comes about from uh, not having people know you you know because they're yeah. they're 
if there's nobody in your life who you can say, look, this is me on my worst day, mm. then they're loving a tidied up version of yourself. Um, and, and you never get to experience that sense of being truly loved. And, and I guess that you know, in terms mm. of our relationship with God, that is uh, a wonderful thing, is it not? That we, mm. you know, he knows us intimately. He knows every hair on our head and he loves us. He loves us the same. Yet he loved us on our worst day. Um, what a gift, really. Yeah, that acceptance, isn't it? Mm, definitely. I, I'm wondering, Sue, because being a teacher, um, I mean, one of the things that is so key about your whole school experience of friends and those friendships that you build there, it must you must get a bit of a unique perspective on all of these friendship dramas, you know, or <laughs> that people had growing up. And yeah, it must be quite interesting seeing friendships developing and stuff like that or... When you were oh, yeah, but the kids tend to cut the teachers out of it, don't they? And I was always the last to know so-and-so was going out with so-and-so and so-and-so had fallen out with this, that and the other. I mean, when I was involved pastorally, you'd get in, you would certainly get involved when there was something really difficult going on. But, um, yeah, I think uh, maybe it's not the... Maybe you're looking at it with rose-tinted spectacles <laughs> when you see it like that. But um, it, it's great watching kids grow up, definitely and things change but um they don't let you into their their lives in any detail really unless there's tough stuff going on and then it's just about them so um yeah afraid not really (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking that you know all these kids getting on and building friends yeah maybe people are a lot more private than you think but um... well i was i was senior school 13 upwards so you know maybe with younger ones you would but um yeah not not in a physics class you know let's face it (laughs) (laughs) yeah so one of the things that um we picked up on that was just about um this whole thing about like social media it's so easy to call someone a friend or um a follower is the other language that is is there i've got this quote from um aristotle that i think is pretty cool um And he says that wishing to be friends is quick work, but friendship is a slow ripening fruit. And um, I think that's a really interesting way of putting it is that it's, you know, a lot of us want to be friends really quickly. Uh, We want to belong really quickly, but actually the real fruit in friendship is that slow, um, slow ripening that happens over years and years and years. Um, Mm. I don't know if that's been your experience. Yeah, I, um, that reminds me of something Rich, Rich said during his talk, actually. He said something something along the lines of, I might be misquoting slightly, but um, I think he said something like fr- uh, friendship is uh, kind of the crucible for formation. Mm. Um, and I think that there's, there's something in kind of those very close friendships that we have, the kind of rare and close ones, um, that is almost a bit covenantal, almost kind of slightly marriage-like. It might not be explicit in the way that you covenant to one another in, and you don't have a, have a wedding day. But I think, you know, that there's this kind of growing closeness. Um, and, you know, the, those true friends that you have, there's that kind of, you know, you'll, you will knock edges off each other, won't you? And you'll have those times where you, you disagree or you rub up or they say something that hurts you and you, you, you it's that committing to work through that that actually ends up with a, a much more mature relationship. 
it's richer um you you know that they'll show you your blind spots they'll they'll reveal your weaknesses you know they'll tell you hopefully you know if you've um you know if you've hurt them or someone else and um and we grow you know we hopefully become more christ-like and mm. um and so that that for me kind of resonates with the ripening fruit image i think of um kind of a slow journey of increased richness yeah but i think the fruit analogy falls down because you can get to the point where that's ripe and it carries on being ripe and rich for years and years what my one of my dearest friends i've known since i was five so that's 56 years of friendship and we still you know i spoke to her the other day so uh that that's a really rich fruitful deep she's a christian that we we get each other we know each other from you know all through our teenage teenage years and uh, kept in touch through university through me living abroad through her living abroad uh, through the death of her husband all sorts of things and uh that is um continues to be a, a great support to each of us we sometimes we don't speak to each other for a few months but we can just pick up where we left off and that um that's that's rich but it's not a thing that should go rotten like a fruit or should be allowed to go rotten if it's if it's matured definitely yeah i think like i think that's so true and you know it involves that it involves maintenance doesn't it friendships you know mm. there are those people who like I've got plenty of friends like that who we haven't spoken to each other, you know, in months or even years in some cases, and then you meet up and it's just the same. But I think there's, they're one type of friend, aren't they? And then there's that other type of friend that does really challenge you and really um, walks with you and is willing to put that, almost sometimes to put that friendship on the line um, to challenge you. And, you know, Rich talked a lot about that, didn't he, in his message around that whole idea of agape and um, that love that requires sacrifice. And, um, yeah, it's you, you do wonder, like, how many people in my life are actually like that? How many people would challenge me if I was really messing up? Yeah, it's, it's interesting as well. There's there's those relationships. Again, I've got a, a friend of mine who I um, I met actually on on his fifth birthday. Uh, you know, it was, it was it was the first day of school ever as well. <laughs> what a birthday! Start school on your birthday. But we, you know, we met then, and I caught up with him just the other week, um, and that's just been a kind of an organic thing. But then also, I guess there's a question around how much do we pursue friendship. How, how much are we intentional about friendship you know if there's if there's a kind of friendship that we think would um kind of really nourish us or, or grow us or help us or that there's people that we can in, equally invest in um that those kind of sounds almost like kind of going back to childhood friendships doesn't it like will you be my friend uh it's a really kind of intentional thing which i i really love and um when i went to bible college a few years ago um actually the leadership of the college were brilliant and they said you know we would really recommend that you um form prayer triplets or prayer quads um because they're the kind of things that because you're going through that kind of um that journey together of bible college and then you'll be going through your curacy your ministerial training and then out and becoming a vicar or whatever afterwards um there's something amazing about sharing that experience with others um and so i just Again, it's that sort of slightly awkward kind of 
um, Bible college speed dating kind of thing where everyone's like, will you be in my prayer quad? And it all got a bit awkward. Um, but eventually I ended up with three other guys who, um, you know, we started just meeting with during college and then it kind of progressed and throughout curacy that kind of um, carried on and we started kind of chatting to one another kind of regularly and we tried to do like a retreat a couple of times a year. And then about a year ago, one of the guys said, you know what, I, I just really feel that it'd be good to be a bit more, more intentional. Like how serious do we want this to be? Like how, how, how much do we want to kind of be with one another in this? And um, wouldn't it be great to meet up like weekly via Zoom or something? And so um, actually just before the, the, the worldwide use of Zoom started everywhere, uh, I started having uh, weekly weekly video check-ins and that's how I start my week every week nine till nine thirty I meet with these three guys and we we do life together and we share and we pray um and that intentional relationship is is so rich mm. Mm. yeah I think it's it's tricky isn't it because it's sort of like <laughs> I really it really made me chuckle when he said will you be my friend <laughs> just like imagining that saying that to people in church or like all of that it is a bit like cringy isn't it <laughs> it was that awkward it was and and there was, there was oh there was a guy that came up to me as well and he was like would you would you be in my in my prayer triplet and I'm like I'm really sorry I'm I'm already in a quad you know and it's like, <laughs> And it starts becoming really like this kind of slightly awkward, exclusive, like, no, sorry, you know, we're, we're full, no room at the inn, go somewhere else. <laughs> but I remember on the first day that I walked into All Saints, having moved to Worcester the previous you know, Friday, um, and somebody met me in the on the welcome team, and I just clicked with this person straight away, and they... They didn't say to me, will you be my friend? They said, oh, I'd really like to spend some more time with you. Shall we go from, shall we meet for a coffee or something like that? And as it happened, I was still working at the time and it was difficult. But what, as soon as I had more time, our friendship has really blossomed and I've been able to have the time to, to be intentional and to, to you know, invest in it. Um, and I think, you know, you, you can do it without it being too cringy. You can say things like that people I'd really like to spend more time with you or shall we meet for a coffee or something and um one thing that this person said to me about friendship was uh that you have friends where you're on an, a kind of an equal footing that you each give and take and you support each other mutually and then there can be other friendships that where one is giving more support to the other and others where you're being supported but it's those mutual friendships that are the ones that uh, can be really rich. Um, I think she's right about that. That's the kind of thing that Rich was talking about, I feel. Mm, definitely, with that whole theme of sacrifice and being willing, um, you know, it's that whole thing, John 15, wasn't it, that Rich also like picked up on. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for their friends. And um, I think it's, I've always like grown up and thought, oh, that's just like, you know, I think of it as literally giving up your life, um, a lot of people dying for their friends, which is one way of reading it, I suppose. But in the same way, um, there's this sacrifice of just being able to give up our own life as we see it, um, to sacrifice time, to sacrifice our needs and all of that for our friends around us. And I do, th I think you're so right, see, I think that there's so much in 
um, friendship that requires sacrifice to, to get onto that next level of friendship as well. And maybe this is a question for you, Andy, is like, um, how, how do we move from just sort of these people who we, we've maybe been friends with um, for years and years, how do we move from that place um, to almost the, if, if we're wanting to pursue that next level of intentionality, um, sort of like growth, together what are some of the steps that we can take towards that yeah I think I think it goes back to the known and being known thing uh, like knowing and being known and um, I think one way to kind of encourage depth in a relationship is to allow yourself to be vulnerable with someone else um, that it, it, it vulnerability breeds vulnerability and and I think that when, when one person shares something that they're struggling with whether it's a kind of pattern of behavior or you know a, a, a sin that's happened in the past that there's feeling shame about or just you know just the vulnerability of like, I'm just finding work really challenging at the moment or, or wh whatever it might be but it's when we share those things that um are you know the, the the real us you know they're kind of like the real inner us with someone um and we risk that which is a risk and you've got to be discerning about who those people are that you share with but mm -hmm. i think when we do that it gives people permission and because they go oh it's not just me then because his you know in him revealing that or in her revealing that i i can see myself in that like they're just like me and then it mm -hmm. gives them boldness it gives them courage to actually be more vulnerable as well and to be like oh my goodness i'm so mm -hmm. glad that you struggle with that as well, like whether it's parenting or whatever, because man, I, I, I just lose it with my, you know, my kids and I just, I get grumpy or whatever it is. And, and, and it enables that kind of sacred space of realness um, to be inhabited by both, by both people, I think. Um, I think maybe Andy, that's why your prayer course has uh, flourished so much because if people are praying together, then, you know, they are being vulnerable. They are saying what, what they want prayer about so um that's definitely a way to take things deeper yeah which is why also you get really good friendships coming out of house groups life groups whatever you want to call them um because people there are being real and vulnerable yeah, you, you only fact. pray about the stuff that matters right mm -hmm. you, you, you only pray about what you care about and so mm -hmm. i think you um as you begin to share that um it's an inherently vulnerable thing. I think you're right. Mm. Prayer is a sort of sacred space for, for friendship to, to flourish, isn't it? Mm. Definitely. Um, if you haven't already read it, there's an incredible book called The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis. And um, I was just thinking, Andy, you're obviously really, really wise um, because he's got this little section okay. of the book that says this, that friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, you too, I thought I was the only one. And it's it's almost that moment where, you know, we are just sharing those experiences. And he links it um, to the angels in heaven and how they will, um, they're all there to worship God and doing it together um, and bouncing off each other in that, that scene of worship and that scene of adoration. And um, I think that's so true. Like friendship is... Um, you know, some friendships are built out of like hobbies and stuff like that. 
um, where you, you know, we go and play whatever football or, you know, tennis with someone and the friendship gets born out of that. Some friendships are born out of mutual hardship and uh, experiences. Like I can remember doing, um, building friendships with people when I was doing my time at Bible college over washing the dishes. So it was one of our work duties was to wash like all of the um, dishes from the whole college from people having lunch and stuff like that. But you'd get a good chat in at that point. And there were some friendships that were really built at that time. Um, but yeah, I think that's maybe that's a good place to start is like thinking about building these intentional friendships, like who, who, when you talk to them, do you have those shared experiences of like, Oh, you too. I thought I was the only one. Um, where do you, where do you share those those um, problems as well equally? I think that's a good place to sort of start identifying, discerning good friendships. Yeah, fully fully agree. I think there's something as well that that is um, just one of one of the toxic things about being human is that we compare we compare other people's external to our internal, don't we? We we look at you know, whether it's like someone, you, you know, I'll never know what it's like, tragically, I'll never know what it's like to be Phil Wade, um, you know, and so when all I've got to compare myself to, if I'm, if I'm kind of thinking, oh, well, what's, what's Phil like? Well, I know, I know as much as you choose to reveal to me, really, as much as I see and as much as you choose to reveal. But the, the challenge about that is that we are, um, you know, revealing the most sensitive difficult things about yourself and your worst fears is, is so difficult isn't it so you don't just do that all the time because life would be really really messy but um you know it's those moments where that that gap you know people allow more of their internal out um that's where where the gold is isn't it i think yeah. definitely i think that's that's not really it doesn't feel like in our culture that's something that happens a lot um, you know, <laughs> we just don't share um, where we're at. And I don't think it always has to be negative at all. Like this is, I think this is part of what I'm saying. It can be like a mutual admiration for something, like a love for something, um, but we often just don't say it. So, you know, if you go for a coffee with a, a mate, like a lot of the time, you know, you can just do that and go home, but actually just saying out loud, you know, like I really enjoyed that time with you, or if I found that really helpful talking about, you know, whatever um i think that can really help those friendships to flourish yeah mm. so our um second um sermon was given to us by andy who um we've already heard a bit from but um it was quite a hard one i think for you andy to say and you know it was quite emotional i think i felt it um, listening to you and it's just it's such a hard topic thinking about this idea of forgiveness and it goes really right to the depth of what it means to be a Christian and to know that number one that we're forgiven and number two that we have this calling um, and this command to go and forgive others I mean how did you find preparing that sermon and getting it ready <laughs> to deliver it talking about being vulnerable yeah. <laughs> yeah it was it was pretty pretty painful actually um i think yeah i mean w when it comes to to relationships going wrong because that's that's where we why we started with 
you know friendship and then forgiveness because you know friendships don't always go right do they and relationships don't and so you need a way to I think I said uh, put Humpty Dumpty back together again um, when when it all goes wrong um, but when when there's a breakdown in relationship um, you know some somebody's got to pay for it you know uh, and, and you either go I'm going to make them pay or you take the burden yourself you know you 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 consciously decide to forgive and let it go um which is a which is a cost um it's a cost to you emotionally um and it it kind of hurts it's actually it's one of those things that it's actually painful you know to forgive people because you're uh you're choosing to um give people a gift that they don't deserve mm. uh, and it's that they don't deserve it bit that, that makes it so difficult um and so I think that's why that's why I was so keen in the talk that I did to, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's totally valid to do talks about forgiveness where we can talk about the kind of cathartic benefit for us. But I think what I wanted to root it in was the knowledge of, you know, actually, we, we are commanded to forgive. Like we it's not a it's not an optional extra. Like if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you must forgive. Um, and we must do that because we've been forgiven ourselves that mm. forgiveness from us extending into the world comes because of the um the fact that we've received a gift that we don't deserve so i wanted to kind of root it firmly in in that basically mm. the bit that blew my mind going on from what you were just saying andy is that that, that we not we must forgive because we've been forgiven but because this is part of god's plan of reconciling himself to the whole cosmos so we are modeling that by forgiving and i've never heard it put like that before and i was saying yes of course of course this is right yeah mm. yeah i think i'm i'm totally guilty of this and um it was something i was thinking of and something you really challenged me on actually as we were listening along to that sermon and talking about it in life group um about the idea of real forgiveness. And um, I think a lot of us can be so guilty of being hurt or upset and then just saying, oh, well, you're forgiven. And then secretly harboring this sort of like resentment in our heart. And it's such a Christian thing to do. It's just to pretend that it's all okay when actually there is still that lingering hurt and stuff like that. Um, and I suppose that's, that's my question to both of you. It's just like, what does real forgiveness look like? How, how can we really deeply forgive uh, people who have hurt us? I think Andy's five steps were, were really helpful. I've never thought about it in that, those kind of step-like terms. What I knew before um, Andy's, Andy's talk was that, yeah, you have to acknowledge that, that you're a sinner too, and you have to put yourself in that person's shoes, not, not to excuse it, but just kind of sort of see where they were coming from or what led to it or whatever. But I also knew that you had to get to the point where you could pray for them. And, um, and I know that if you pray for somebody can, uh, consistently, you, you inevitably come to a place of love and the Father's heart for that person. And when you've got to that stage, you know that you can accept what happened, you can accept who they are and you can love them because God loves them and 
you can forgive them. And, and I think Andy's five steps really put that very clearly at my sort of jumble thinking of things, little nuggets that I've known after, you know, 61 years of life on this planet. Um, but one thing that I hadn't ever done was to, to speak out loud uh, when so-and-so did this to me, I felt, and to acknowledge that pain um, and her. And I think that that's a valuable part of it that I hadn't realized before. So thanks, Andy, for that and your tutor or whoever it was, mentor, that gave you that yeah. formula, as it were. I I realised actually when I did the preach, I, I didn't say the guy's name and I meant to credit him with it. And there's a guy called Morris Rodham and um, he he's the former Archdeacon Missioner of Coventry Diocese. Um, he's the guy that led me to faith um, and um, just an amazing man um, with a, a heart for the poor like I've not met before. Um, and again, as I said in the in the talk, um, yeah, he he worked um, worked really hard to set up a drug rehab program, debt counselling centres, rehousing people that are homeless, all sorts of stuff, um, and dealing with some really difficult people, like really, really hard, hard, hard people, you know, um, and, you know, it's just like hurt people hurt people. That's just mm -hmm. life. Like if you're going to work in the dark places, if you're going to be called to the places and to, you know, minister to the poor and the broken and the needy, um, you're going to get hurt. It's just that's just life. Um, now you can either you know transform that pain or you can transmit it, and mm. um, uh, and 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 that's true. You know either we deal with it and we we go okay, this part of the deal I'm going to crack on and forgive um, quickly and let it go and move on and treat them you know try and see them as God sees them, um, or it will manifest in all manner of ugly ways and I'll end up hurting other people or you know mm. if and if it's not them it'll probably be my you know my wife or my parents or my my friends because it that's what hurt does doesn't it it spills mm. out which was the kind of whole cup analogy yeah mm. yeah I really love that actually the emotional mug I think it was called which um I was thinking it could describe me from time to time <laughs> all these behaviors that spill out um from um this this cup that we you know we fill up and um I was thinking you know you just said that whole thing about um we either what was it transmit or what was transform the other one? or transmit yeah transform or transmit and sometimes those behaviors are transmitted to other people we can become like grumpy or angry or you know isolated but so often they transmit into other behaviors within ourselves it's almost like we hurt ourselves as a result of all of these things i don't know if you can sort of open that up a bit andy that whole emotional mug concept yeah i mean really really the the theory is around um you know <laughs> the only way to not get hurt is to never meet another human being <laughs> and that seems like quite a difficult way to live especially given you know the whole conversation about the importance of friendships so, you know, in, in life, we will just get hurt. That's just the given. Um, and the, the immediate response to that is, um, is anger. You know, that, that, that anger is kind of an indicator, you know, if you like. It's like the, um, you know, the fire alarm going off uh, or smoke alarm going off, that there's something has gone wrong. Anger is the initial kind of response to that. Um, and that's okay, because actually it's a sign that either there's a perceived or a real injustice that's happened. So that's, mm. that's kind of fine. 
the problem is like what we do with it you know in your anger do not sin and that's the problem mm. if we allow the anger to manifest and to build and to just stay stick around and we don't actually deal with it or confront it it will turn into all sorts of other things and in, in the market says you know, it fills up you get resentment holding that's holding on to it like i'm going to actually i'm going to remember what you did and i'm going to get you back and then bitterness hate fear stress all of that kind of stuff just builds up because on some level and the weird thing about guilt in there is that we actually know that we can do something about it that's the that's the problem so we end up feeling guilty but our mug overflows and you know it can uh, overflow in verbal physical violence excessive criticism um you know negativity towards other people um you know obsessive shopping gambling drinking sex pornography smoking you name it um all manner of of things because and one category of it is that we kind of push it out towards other people um self-harm as well so, so we can actually internalize things so it could be like self-harm or anxiety depression those are the kind of more internal ones um uh yeah, and so there's just all manner of ways that we can do it. We can kind of project it, we can hurt ourselves, we can um, just try and blot it out. Sometimes it's just something so painful and that's why, you know, binge drinking and things. It's just like, I, I just want to, I want oblivion basically. Mm. So all of that comes from not dealing with the anger. And so really all, all that was about is, you know, if you, if you get that real kind of anger, you know, at some point you need to deal with that um and it's not like we're robots and we just go i'm angry okay i'll forgive you know that there, there does need as i sort of tried to emphasize at the beginning there needs to be a place for lament and for real sadness and grief um if you've been really hurt by people um, you need to be able to um have a place to go with that um um, first first place is obviously god and prayer and we can you know shout and rage and tell god how upset we are and how hurt we are but i think having real people to have that kind of confessional relationship with um is a huge help as well but at some mm -hmm. point preferably sooner rather than later you need to begin forgiving um and, and more often than not at the start that will be through gritted teeth it's it's, it's work i think that's what i want to kind of emphasize it's not um it's not something you ever wake up and think Oh, I feel like forgiving everybody that's that's hurt me. You know, it doesn't doesn't work like that. It's a it's a decision that you. It's a decision of the will, and you won't ever feel like doing it. You've just got to start somewhere. It was almost like that meta. What you call it? It was the meta um, concept or something like that. Was the word that you used to describe it? And um, it's it's we have to want to want to go there. And I think that is so hard. I can just imagine people listening to this, just going like, I've been so hurt by, you know, dot, dot, dot that's happened or, you know, you know, with all these stories circulating the news at the moment about uh, pastors and stuff like that, I've been involved with all sorts of horrible things. It's just like, I can imagine so many people going, I just can't forgive at the moment um, or I just can't want even want to go to there and I'm, I'm just wondering what you both might say or um suggest or what help you could give to people in that sort of position i just think i think it's a process i think that's the the thing you know you 
and, and I think that's why why you know Sue mentioned about a whole five step thing. Um, yeah, the the beginning of it is remembering that we've been forgiven a great debt. You know, we've been mm -hmm. forgiven all the, the horrible stuff that we might have done or said or thought even. Um, you know that we we start with that posture of humility of like we're you know we're all in the same you know maybe maybe that text in romans you know that all have fallen short of the glory of god we remember that actually we are in the same category as people who've murdered people who've committed all sorts of atrocious acts and we cannot grade sin we can't say oh well, those you know those pedophiles are over there and they're they're they're, the, they're a different kind of human being because actually they're not um what they've done is terrible no no excuse but we can't we can't put people in different categories to ourselves. so i i think it starts there it starts with an acknowledgement that um that we are we are all we are all in need of a savior but the set that andy was talking about the lamenting um it i think it's important not to hop too quickly to the right so uh i'm a sinner i'm forgiven they're human uh so i need to forgive and jumping straight on um that's important i just thinking about the hearing um a talk on the truth and reconciliation commission based on uh in south africa and how it was how important it was for people to be able to speak out the injustices and to say this happened and to have it heard so you can talk about um you know, speaking out your hurt to God and maybe with another person as well. Um, and that being such an important part of acknowledging this is truth. I was hurt by this or I felt this when this happened. And then coming to starting to come to terms with it and going on to the forgiveness as um, the next step because it must follow on because of who Jesus is and what he's done. Um, yeah, I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> so, yeah, it's important I, to, to, to speak it out, I think. Yeah, I was just going to say, see, with I, I think that's where friends are so important, going back to our first mm. um, sort of like message that we heard, is that we can speak out those things. Uh, and having those people around us where we can process stuff like that those real deep hurts those real deep um struggles that we're going through having those people who are going to give us you know give us good advice but primarily listen um and understand and just help us go at our own pace i think is so important um yeah i think um I, I've got another quote. I've got a little bank of quotes that I've been using all the time through this. It's been really cool. But I just I find it really help. It makes me sound really clever, but it's not. It's just <laughs> lined up a whole load of things. But I think I thought this was really helpful. And it's from Hannah Moore, who says that forgiveness is the economy of the heart. Forgiveness saves the expense of anger, the cost of hatred, and the waste of spirits. And um, that just connected with me so much about just like how much time we waste, how much um, joy we waste by harboring unforgiveness. And I think this is uh, one of the things that I picked up on as a, a young and 
plucky Christian at 13 and 14 was seeing these old older people in the faith and just going, oh, well, you've been a Christian for 50 years. You must be so close to Jesus and not, you know, <laughs> not feel as though you've got harboring any sort of hatred. You must be so Christ-like. But some of these times we hold it for our whole lives, then there's things that we just hold on to hurts that we hold on to insecurities as well that we hold on to for our whole lives up until then um which is really difficult um and we've never sort of um ever been taught to forgive like andy said this in his message that we don't teach other people to forgive or you know i i certainly have never been taught how to forgive someone else it's just something we're expected to do and expected to learn but I think that's part of the problem with just how many um with all these relationship issues that we see all over our culture it's just that we've never been taught these things um yeah how 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 can we teach others to forgive where where should we be learning to forgive as well where, who should we be looking to i think is a, a good question on that and just looking at christ as an example of forgiveness like how what can we learn from him and what can we learn from um it just his yeah what can we learn from christ's example around that whole theme of forgiveness i i think the thing that sort of immediately springs to mind and i guess it's kind of going back to friendship one again um you know rich talked a bit about the kind of redeeming of peter Mm. you know that the Peter um yeah, as, as much as the uh, of, of all of the kind of emotional hurts that Jesus experienced that's got to be up there you know um to have spent three years of your life investing in people and then have somebody say I don't know him yeah and, they, and do that three times you know that you can't underestimate how difficult I guess that 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 must have been you know um mm that he was on the cross looking down and you know john was there mary was there where's peter you know, when i need him where's he now and and his his act of kindness that he would go to him on the beach and lovingly give him that opportunity to say you know do you do you love me uh and just just give him space to um, to affirm that and be like yeah mm. I do you know and it's like I know it's not perfect and I blew it and I'm sorry and um, but I think it's giving people the benefit of the doubt giving people um, the kind of opportunity you know to to, to kind of uh, redeem themselves in some way and that, that, that we might we might let it go Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope God blessed you through that conversation. And a particular thank you to our guests who gave their time and wisdom to make it happen. If you have been affected by anything that has been talked about during this episode, please know that pastoral support is available through our website. Subscribe and follow our podcast to receive all of our updates. But most importantly, we pray you have a great week.